Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com forward slash credit card. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Thanks for listening to the Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And we're brought to you by True Car. When it comes to selling or trading in your car, you need to make good choices. And with True Car, you've got a star on your roster. So when you're ready to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car. True cash offer not available in all areas. Well, if you are a Kansas City Chiefs fan, these are the times that try your soul. It's coming down the stretch of a season and your team getting a little bit wobbly. And if you are an L.A. Chargers fan, first of all, you're rare. Secondly, you might be able to dream a little bit about hosting the AFC Championship game in a 27,000-seat stadium that might not have any of your own fans because Phillip Rivers got hot and pulled off the incredible last night. I got a couple of stats for you to talk about how improbable that comeback was. Uh, The Chargers erased uh, a 14-point deficit in the final five minutes to stun the Chiefs last night, 29-28. to For those of you who might have gone to sleep early, 28-14, you thought the game was over. Uh Uh-uh. 
you missed some fireworks. Entering last night's game, teams were 0-88 this season when trailing by 14 or more points in the final five minutes of regulation. Phillip Rivers himself, who has been playing football for a while, was 0-20 in his career in those situations. That's how improbable that comeback came. Here's another aspect uh, of that detail. The Chiefs were 39-0 and under Andy Reid with a 14 or more point lead in the fourth quarter. The most wins without a loss of any team since 2013. The Chargers are now 2-1 and on the road when trailing by at least 14 points this season. Remember, they also won at the Steelers after getting down a substantial margin. The rest of the NFL is 3-78 and in those games. Before this game, I told you, if Phillip Rivers could win, this potentially would elevate him to the top of the MVP race if the Chargers could win their final two and if they could snag home field advantage. There is now a massive amount riding on the final two games for each of these teams. Well, what does it look like? Well, the Chargers, they got a pretty easy road, I would say, in general, although it's really kind of hard to forecast because this year in the NFL has been so wild. They said last night, 26 of the 32 NFL teams are still alive for the playoffs. Now, some of those teams are very narrowly alive for the playoffs, but they do remain alive. And so I think you have to look kind of going forward and say, okay, what's likely to happen here as we come down the stretch? Who is going to actually win their games? The Chargers are sitting at 11-3. and They don't have the tie break. So the Chiefs would still be the overall number one seed. But the Ravens go on the road at the Chargers. That is going to be a hell of a game, a barn burner. That's on Saturday, uh, eight days from now. So that is a heck of a game. The Chargers with a little bit of an advantage in that they don't have to play, obviously, for a couple of days now that they won on Thursday, and the Ravens will have to travel across the country to play against them. And then the Chargers go on the road against the Broncos. Remember, the Broncos beat the Chargers um, on a last-second field goal in L.A. uh, a few weeks ago. So that, in and of itself, is pretty wild. Now, having said that, the Chargers are on a hell of a run. I, I think, again, before this game was played, I said, I think the Chargers are under the radar really good. And if you remember, they started off their season 1-2. and two. They lost to the Chiefs to start the year. Then they beat the Bills. Then they lost to the Rams. So they started off their season 1-2. and two. Since that time, they are 10-1. and one, And their only loss was by one point on a last-second field goal. Now, they've won some close games. They won on a two-point conversion play last night. They won beating a two-point conversion play against the Titans uh, as well in London earlier this year. But 10-1 and is pretty doggone good, all right? So that is what the Chargers have left. They have to go on the road uh, the last week of the season against the Broncos, and then they get uh, the uh, they get the Baltimore Ravens, which could have a huge playoff impact itself. 
that is suddenly a massive, massive game next week in L.A., all right? Here is what the Chiefs have left, and it comes pretty fast. On Sunday, a week from Sunday, they go on the road against the Seahawks. Massive game. Just an absolutely massive game now for the Chiefs. Decent chance they could lose that one, and then they get to finish at home against the Raiders, a game that you feel like they would be a big favorite in. But last night's game was epic. We need to unpack it. There are so many different angles to discuss, but in case you went to sleep before that game was over, let me go ahead and give you the final couple of plays courtesy of the LA Chargers radio network. Here is the last uh, touchdown, and immediately after it will be the two-point conversion play for the win. Here is what it sounded like. Rivers in the shotgun. Looks to the right for Mike Williams. Throws to Mike Williams. Caught! Touchdown! Touchdown, Chargers! Mike Williams with his third of the day. Shotgun snap. Rivers rolls to the right. Throws to the end zone. Caught! It's good! It's good! Mike Williams with the grab! Chargers lead 29-28. That's with four seconds left. Now, there were so many, so many questionable calls down the stretch of this game from an officiating perspective. Just in the final minute, the Chargers, as Phillip Rivers was trying to run, got a clear helmet-to-helmet contact that was missed by the officials. As Phillip Rivers argued about that play, the Chargers let the clock run all the way down to 13 seconds, which almost ended up costing them in a big way. On the next play, which would have been third down, there was a very questionable pass interference call that was made that I believe was a makeup call for the missed helmet-to-helmet contact. And then, Chiefs fans, some of you would probably argue there should have been offensive pass interference on the final touchdown catch and that there may have been some uncertainty about whether or not it was a catch, whether or not he was uh, had full control of it. I think that the uh, offensive pass, sorry, the defensive pass interference call was a makeup call because if the officials had done a better job, they would have clearly caught the helmet to helmet. And by the way, for a league that claims they care deeply about player safety, NFL officials miss a lot of helmet to helmet contact. I mean, especially on a quarterback, Phillip Rivers was clearly on the ground. He had given himself up. He was down. His knee was down. He was tackled. And then he was hit helmet to helmet late, which is arguably two fouls, right? Uh, the way you protect quarterbacks, that should have been such an easy flag to, f- to throw. And I think that's why we got the defensive pass interference call. Because if the call had been made correctly, then the Chargers would have had the ball at the five-yard line with 30 seconds left and theoretically four plays and a timeout to uh, to be able to try and score to tie that game up. Now, a couple of other things. Um, Phillip Rivers made some throws on that final drive. There's going to be a lot of talk about officiating, but Phillip Rivers made some throws on that final drive that were just otherworldly. In particular, on a first down and 20, right after a holding penalty, Rivers hit a 31-yard over-the-middle pass that really ignited this final drive that was simply an extraordinary throw and catch 
and a great job of holding on to it with a big hit that was delivered. And then on fourth and eight, Rivers dropped in a dime where there was no room to throw the football. It was a hell of a catch, and it was a hell of a throw. It was Brett Favre-esque in terms of how perfect that throw was because the coverage was virtually perfect as well. It was just, I thought, a maestro-like performance from Rivers, which was just evidence of him having no conscience because he threw two interceptions, could have easily had a third interception, and yet on that final drive, he went balls to the wall and just let it rip and made some incredible throws. I mean, you go back and watch some of those throws in slow motion, and they were about as good as you will see all season in the NFL, particularly given the context and how difficult they were. So I'm going to open up the phone lines because I bet there are quite a few of you who want to react to this game. 877-996-6369 is the number. 877-996-6369. And let me say this. I think the NFL has got a major issue with officials who are making calls when the call is not egregious. In other words, there were, on the final touchdown drive for the Kansas City Chiefs, there were two awful calls made, I thought, that extended Chiefs drives. One was a, a face mask penalty when really the Chargers were getting face masked more than Mahomes was. I thought, at best, probably a no call. At worst, should have been a penalty on the Chiefs. The other one is defensive holding. Officials have to be smarter when it is third and long and the holding is not egregious. That is, you're not grabbing them by the jersey and keeping them from running when you're just kind of running into each other and both guys are bouncing off each other a little bit. You can't call defensive holding unless it is really egregious. And in the first half, the Chargers were also a beneficiary of a defensive holding charge. If it's third and 10, you need it to be really bad in order to fill the need to call defensive uh, holding, I I think. And NFL officials have lost their minds with how frequently they call defensive holding now. And it's become, I think, even more common than offensive line holding, where you could call it on any play. And so it just feels very arbitrary when it's called and when it's not. We'll take calls on that. We'll react. I'll bring in the crew, 877-996-6369. The big takeaway the San Diego slash LA Chargers are alive potentially for the number one overall seed in the AFC and the Chiefs are now in danger of falling all the way to the five seed and potentially having to go on the road against either Baltimore or Pittsburgh to start off their playoff run. If you're a Chiefs fan, you got to be awfully nervous headed on the road to play against the Seahawks given what you have seen from Andy Reid teams many years in the past where you're so good early in the year and then people just start to catch up with you and what seemed like such a promising year falls once more into another uh, average season. One of the most important things we do for our health every day, brushing our teeth, yet most of us don't do it properly. Quip is a better electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. You know, there's two things that people don't really do enough of uh, when it comes to brushing your teeth. One is most people don't brush long enough. 
That's why Quip has a built-in timer pulse every 30 seconds to make you brush your teeth long enough to make sure you're getting a proper cleaning. 90% of us don't brush for a full two minutes or don't clean our teeth evenly. Also, so many of us right now use bristles that are old, worn out, and ineffective. 75% of us do that. That's why Quip uh, sends you brand new brush heads every three months for just five bucks. They also allow you not to worry about charging your electric toothbrush because it lasts, the Quip charge does, for three months at a time. And it's one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association with thousands of verified five-star reviews. That's why I use Quip and also why you should as well. Starts at just 25 bucks, and if you go to getquip.com slash clay right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P slash clay. Get Quip slash clay today. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And it's never a good look when you untuck a long, bulky dress shirt. That's why Untuck It makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked. Go to untuckit.com to see the new fall arrivals. Untuckit.com, your solution to perfecting casual. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, for 20% savings. Great shirts there. And uh, we have got uh, open phone lines if you want to react to Thursday Night Football, 877-996-6369. I want to start uh, when I go around the crew here with uh, Eddie Garcia. Um, Eddie, you go to some of these games in the StubHub Center and watch the Chargers. Your wife is a big Chargers fan. You guys have have watched uh, this season pretty closely. What would it be like if the Chargers had home field advantage in the StubHub Center? What uh, can you imagine? What the experience would be like? Yeah, it's something that's been discussed uh, amongst the Chargers fans, um, and you know it's it's a tough situation because you've got the hardcore fans like my wife who would who literally would not accept really any price to sell their tickets because they're so uh, loyal to the team that they want to give them an advantage. And then you've got kind of fringe fans to where if a, you know if a team with a big fan base was coming in for a playoff game, they wouldn't turn down the amount of money they're going to be able to get for those tickets. And you know that could very well pay for their entire season. Uh, I, I mean, I can kind of see both sides of it, but you know, it's been it's been difficult. There are some fan bases that come in. The Chiefs, the Broncos, uh, the Steelers haven't been yet, but if they were to come, you know, that they take over the stadium pretty much. And for a, a playoff game there, I, I I just think it would be a really tough situation. I know the players are kind of used to it at this point, but it's not. They don't have a true home field advantage. They haven't had it since they moved into the StubHub Center. Yeah, I mean, so the reason why I bring that up is if I'm sitting around looking at the AFC playoff picture right now and I am anybody other than the Kansas City Chiefs, I am rooting like crazy for the Chargers to win home field because, like, I mean, let's just look at it right now the way it's set up. If, for instance, you are a Steelers fan 
you are the number four overall seed right now. Let's say you go on and you win your division. You find a way to win that division. You would know, hey, okay, we're going to play against the five seed, which might be the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Uh, Right now, that's the way it would be set up if the Chargers ended up winning this division. The Chiefs would be the five seed. If you are either a Chiefs fan or a Steelers fan, you would feel like, hey, if we won that game and we're then advancing to play against uh, the the one seed, right, which could happen, um, depending on how exactly the, the 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 breakdown occurs in the wild card, you could send, uh, I feel like, your entire fan base out there and take over that stadium. Like, you could feel like you basically are creating your own home field by traveling out to L.A., and buying up as many of those tickets as you can. Now, some of those people wouldn't even have to travel because L.A. is such a uh, hodgepodge, such a cosmopolitan city in terms of people who have moved into the area, who grew up in other places, and you could feel like you could go in. And the same thing would be true, by the way, if you are a uh, Patriots fan and you're sitting around saying, well, we want the game to go through Foxborough, but if you're a Patriot fan, I feel like the Patriots could travel all the way to L.A., and basically take over that stadium too. And I have no idea what the tickets would end up costing, but can you imagine an AFC title game in a 27,000-seat venue? I would think that it would be just a massive, massive amount of uh, of money to be able to get in there because tickets in, gen- in general are expensive, and there just aren't that much of, there isn't that much availability there. And by the way, it's not just the teams that I mentioned. Obviously, the Steelers, the Chiefs, and the, uh, and the Patriots, you feel like they could travel and bring a pretty big crowd there. I think if you're a Ravens fan, I think if you're a Titans fan, I think if you are a uh, Miami Dolphin fan, I think if you are a uh, Tennessee Titan fan, and you think, hey, maybe my team could win a game, and then usually you're like, man, it's really tough to go on the road against the number one seed, you could do it. Like the Colts, I mean, I don't think anybody would be nervous. You imagine Andrew Luck and the Colts being nervous, plus... In L.A., you know the weather's going to be pretty good, so it wouldn't be that awful. It's not like you'd have to worry about any kind of weather condition in late December or early January when that game would be played. I just, I think it's a no-brainer. I guess it would be you know mid-January when so many times the weather can be awful. This would be remarkable. Now, you also are setting up the possibility of L.A. having both number one seeds. It's not crazy to think that the Rams could win out and the Saints could lose one more game. And it's certainly not crazy to think that the Chargers could win out and that the uh, the, the Chiefs could lose on the road against the Seahawks. So uh, we got a lot to break down here about this game. I thought it was an amazing game. Uh, just a, an extraordinary game the way it came down the stretch. 877-996-6369 if you want to weigh in. I'll go to the rest of the crew, but first... Uh, Eddie Garcia, why don't you go ahead and give us an update uh, from last night? Yeah, on the road to the playoffs, the Chargers beat the Chiefs 29-28. L.A. rallying down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. A score with four seconds left to pull within one. Instead of kicking the extra point and going for overtime, they went for two in the win, and they got it thanks to Mike Williams, who had three touchdowns in the game, two receiving, one rushing, and caught the game-winning two-point conversion. Chargers clinch a playoff spot. Both they and the Chiefs are now at 11-3 on the season and tied for the top record in the AFC and the top record in the AFC West. The Chiefs do, however, hold the tiebreaker. Speaking of being on the road, 
Do you think it's okay to drive stoned? The truth is your reaction time slows way down when you're high. Not only do you put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Stop kidding yourself. If you've been using marijuana in any form, don't get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Get high and get a DUI. On the NBA scoreboard, monster game for James Harden as the Rockets beat the Lakers 126-111. Harden goes for 50 points, 10 rebounds, and 11 assists. Spurs over the Clippers 125-87. Magic beat the Bulls 97-91 in the Suns took care of the Mavericks 99 to 89. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more in car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Back to Clay Travis in the Geico Outkick the Covered Studios. We are indeed here in the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Now, um, this was a really good, I think, Thursday night football year. But what a way to close it out. And I'm curious uh, for the crew out there, was the officiating so bad that it took away from your enjoyment of this game? Because it did for me. Because I was sitting there watching, and, and, and I know a lot of times fans want to focus on one particular call. I thought the officiating was really equally bad both ways. In other words, I don't know. I didn't watch it and think, oh my God, you know, the Chargers have gotten every call here. And I didn't watch it and think the Chiefs, oh my God, have gotten every call here. I thought it was equally bad and canceled out equally. Danny G, did the officiating impact your enjoyment of this game? Yeah, you're spot on with saying how it affected both sides. Because obviously you could point to calls that helped the Chiefs as well earlier in the game. And of course, down the stretch, things seemed to go more the Chargers way. The refs seem to have an effect on way too many outcomes this year. And I don't understand the inconsistency. I mean, we expect consistency out of the players, our head coaches, and everybody else in this great league. But for some reason, we can't get consistent calls. And like what you were talking about earlier on the show with defensive holding, it pains me. You can't bail out that offense with calling holding every time. I feel like one solution there would be to eliminate an automatic first down. Yes. If you're going to call defensive holding and it's going to be a five-yard penalty, which it most often is, you can't call a five-yard penalty and have it, you know, if it's third and 20. Forget the automatic first down. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to give an automatic first down there. I would just give the five-yard penalty and then you can redo it. I would also say if you're going to call defensive holding, it needs to be really egregious. Like, I need to watch it. For instance, there was a defensive holding called on uh, the next-to-last Chargers touchdown. Uh, I don't remember the receiver, but he was open going across the back of the end zone, and he dropped the ball. Phillip Rivers made a good throw. He should have still caught it. But you watch the replay, and it was clear that the Charger receiver was being grabbed and his jersey was being held. That's textbook defensive holding. It was also taking place in the end zone, Uh, All of those things, that I'm fine with, right? Like, if you watch it and you say, okay, it's hard to watch that and not be 100% convinced the defensive holding was going on, but if I go back and I watch a play and I see it and I think, ah, man, I don't know, I didn't see a lot there, and I know the officials have difficult uh, jobs, but that to me is what you're paying them for, their discretion. It needs to be really, really bad and noticeable in order to make the call. I don't want borderline calls to be made. And that's why I've said on the show before, I almost think that you should be able as a coach to challenge a bad officiating call 
and let it go back to New York. I mean, Mike Pereira can sit there and watch it and be like, yes, right call. No, wrong call. He's phenomenal with Fox broadcast. Why couldn't somebody like Mike Pereira be employed to review judgment calls and quickly determine whether or not the right call was being made? I, everything the officials do is a judgment call. So this idea that somehow you're going to make officials question how, you know, how to do their job if you hold them accountable and say, you know what, that pass interference call that you called, not really a textbook pass interference call, I think that makes total sense. Everything in officiating is a judgment call. So people say, oh, you can't have judgment calls be reviewable. Why not? Everything's a judgment call. Was his knee down or not? That's a judgment call. Did he get into the end zone or not? That's a judgment call. So everything is a judgment call, and we review, if you expand the definition that way, everything. So why wouldn't you review really questionable play calls? I feel like if a coach has got one or two challenges for penalties, that would actually be somewhat preferable. Now, it's rare. I think they said, for instance, last night, Andy Reid, they challenged whether or not a catch had been made. It's relatively rare that coaches' challenges even happen now on these play calls, right? I think they said Andy Reid, uh, through last night, through 14 games, has challenged four plays and been right three of the times. Um, most coaches are not challenging plays that often because the, the the play calls are not being missed that often. They get a lot right, but it seems to me that the judgment calls are the ones where there's a tremendous difference. What about you, Dub? Do you feel like that too, that it's starting to take away some from the enjoyment? They definitely did last night, and it seemed to me like so many of them came at such crucial times yes. in the game, and it, it did take away from the experience as a whole for me just watching it on TV. And what what about this? Um, and I'll, maybe I'll ask this question. We'll take some of your calls right now, but I'll ask callers right now who are listening. I might ask you guys to weigh in on this. Are makeup calls the right move? If you saw uh, as an official that you had missed that helmet-to-helmet on Phillip Rivers, and it should have been a first and goal from the five with a full timeout left and four plays to get into the end zone. Was it the right call to call defensive pass interference on a borderline play uh, that gave a first and goal from the two or whatever it was to for the final play, a uh, couple of plays there? I think it's an interesting question. Uh, let's go to uh, William in Nashville. What's up, William? Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, you know, I don't want to blame the whole loss on the refs. Like you were saying, there was there was bad calls on both sides. But at what point do does Kansas City look at Bob Sutton and do a serious evaluation of the guy's career? Because our defense is horrible. You know, our, our run stop is a wet paper sack. Yeah. You know, and I know most of the Kansas City fans are. are waiting for him to pack his bags, and I'm pretty sure half of them will help him. Yeah, you know what's interesting? Uh, I thought that a couple of the throws that Phillip Rivers made last night, it didn't matter what defense you were in on that final drive. The 31-yarder on first and 20 to start that drive is a throw that maybe three, maybe three NFL quarterbacks even attempt in that situation because it was such an improbable and incredible throw. And then the fourth and eighth throw, um, I don't know what you could do to play better defense than the Charger, than the uh, Chiefs were doing there. Now, the two-point conversion play, yeah, you had two guys follow the one receiver and the other one was wide open in the end zone. That should never happen to have a guy that wide open to lose a game. 
Uh, but a lot of that, I thought, was Phillip Rivers' excellence more than it was Kansas City Chiefs' futility. Tom in Virginia, what's up? Hi, Clay. Uh, appreciate your, your show. Uh, longtime San Diego resident, moved back east to Williamsburg, and it's really tough to to see the name Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, but right. so I appreciate when you said L.A. slash San Diego. And uh, just a comment about the uh, being a long longtime resident, say they're going a lot of Charger games. If they, uh, whenever another team played, there was half the stadium or more was the other team. I mean, Even in San Diego. Raiders, anything. So, yeah, yeah, in San Diego. So, and then the last comment is they have this stadium in, in LA. They got this giant stadium in San Diego, 60,000 plus seat stadium that's just sitting there empty. So, I'll take Yeah, you know what? I think it would be, uh, Beautiful for the Chargers if they decided to go play the playoffs in San Diego if they had home field. I really do. Now, they won't do it, but I think that would be a pretty awesome move by them to leave behind the StubHub Center and go back to San Diego for the fans that supported them for so long if they actually had home field advantage and had a chance to go win a Super Bowl to go back to where they uh, had spent most of the last, whatever it is, 30 years. Uh, Let's go to Jeff in Kansas City. What's up, Jeff? Hi, Jeff. Or, uh, hi, Clay. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, hey, I'm with the first caller. I'm not going to get bent out of shape about the refs. That's not a not a fun way to live. That was a good game. Unfortunately, that's just football. Um, you touched on it earlier, but in nine days, that uh, Chiefs-Seahawks game in Seattle, Sunday night. Massive. Mahomes versus Wilson. I mean, the NFL just has to be salivating over that. That's a, basically a Christmas Eve night game. That's going to be absolutely huge and winning in for the Chiefs so let's go and uh, all this out the air thank you yeah look I mean if you're a Kansas City fan as crushing as that loss was you go on the road is that the is that the Christmas is that's not Christmas Eve right it's the Christmas Eve Eve the Sunday night football game I think on the 23rd am I doing the math right there everything runs together but I think that's uh I think that's correct um there's going to be a lot of people sitting around, staying up uh, staying up late to make sure that they don't miss that game. Um, and it's going to have so much significance for the entire AFC playoff picture now. And uh, now the one thing I would say for Kansas City fans is, at least if you're kind of breaking that down, there's not a lot to gain for the Seattle Seahawks, right? Um, now they have a game on the road this weekend against the 49ers, I believe. And it's possible if they play poorly in that game, that they want to kind of get everything right with the world. And it's a big game. But they were basically slotted in, probably, barring a collapse, at the five spot. And so if they're a five seed, they don't have anywhere near the stakes. Now, I'm not sure exactly how that plays out. Does that mean that the Chiefs come in tight and nervous, needing to have a win and with so much at stake, and the Seahawks, who play incredibly well at home uh, and play usually very well in signature kind of uh, primetime games under Pete Carroll and with Russell Wilson, that they come out loose and just ball their asses off? Or does it mean that uh, that the Chiefs uh, come in with so much more intensity that they win a game that matters infinitely more to them in the regular season than it does to the Seahawks? I don't know, but we're already talking about that game, and it is, what, uh, nine days away, whatever the math is there? And, uh, and I can tell you, it's going to be a hell of a game. Um, I'll leave the phone lines open, 877-996-6369. Hour two, we're going to talk with Jeff Schwartz. His brother, Mitch, is on the offensive line for the Chiefs, and he used to play for the Chiefs. 
So we'll see what he thought of last night's game uh, and the way it shook out. That'll be a good conversation in hour two. Uh, and uh, we'll continue to take your calls, 877-996-6369. Incredible blockbuster game last night, Thursday night football. We're unpacking it. The Chargers steal one from the Chiefs. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Are you traveling over the holidays? Blink motion-activated cameras let you monitor your home, pets, and package deliveries using the Blink smartphone app. Save up to 40% through 12-22, December 22nd, while supplies last. Visit blinkprotect.com slash holiday, uh, blinkprotect.com slash holiday. Let's go uh, to your calls. We're reacting to an epic Thursday night football game. Chargers pull off a last-second two-point conversion. According to NFL stats and research, uh, let me see that stat uh, and research that they provided, Chargers comeback. Since 2000, teams trailing by 14 points with five minutes remaining in the game have now won 12 games out of a possible 2,059 games. Also, Chargers' first team since Week 15 Uh, in 2002 to convert a two-point conversion to win a game in the final 10 seconds of regulation. Jose in Fremont, what's up? What's up, bud? Hey, I can't believe they didn't call helmet to helmet or roughing the passer on that Phillip Rivers hit, even though I enjoyed it because I hate the cat. But a great game. I'm loving it. Um, And it actually gives us Raider fans a little bit of a hope to have, you know, look forward to the final games that's possibly spoiler if we could beat the Chiefs and KC and knock them out of the first seed, I would love that. And then possibly knocking the Broncos out in the last game on Christmas Eve. So I definitely enjoyed this season Thursday night. And also the uh, human element on the officiating and uh, flag calls and penalties, that's, I think that's going to stay, man, because that actually dictates a lot of the over-unders and the spreads, in my opinion. I'm all about knowing, I think, that these spreads are all manipulated. Yeah, well, I, thanks for the call. I think that if you're going to eliminate the human element in many calls, and that's why you have instant replay review, why not eliminate clearly wrong calls from the game? I, I don't understand why that's so confusing. Nick in Berkeley. What's up, Nick? Hey, what's up, you guys? Hey, um, I was talking to my friend earlier tonight about the exact same thing. It's like taking all the calls. It's like it's no rhyme or reason. You could have two exact same call, you know plays, and it'd be called one way or, or the other. You know what I mean? And I think the NFL rules committee needs to chill out because they make so many di- different rule changes from year to year. It's like, well, what is the game even about? You know what I mean? It's like it's like you know, one minute it's this, next minute it's that, and like it, it, it takes so much away from the enjoyment of the game, man. It's like. You know, the referees are so inconsistent. Give me, give, give me you know, consistent calls at least. Yeah, you know thanks I mean? for the call. If you, here, making, here's my question in general as a fan. If you eliminated half of the officiating calls, just half, the bottom half of the officiating calls, would the game be changed for the negative? My answer is no. It'd probably be better. So show more discretion on borderline calls and don't throw the flag. Nobody came to watch you. Victor in L.A. What's up, Victor? Hey, first of all, I want to say I love the show. I'm not a Raider fan, but I live in L.A., and I, I do say this. Raider fans are willing to travel all the way to Oakland to see the Raider games. They fly, they drive. You know what? The city of San Diego did the team no favors. Their tenure at Jack Murphy there in that beat-up stadium for all the time they were there, 
They're coming to L.A. They're going to get a beautiful stadium. San Diego deserves nothing. They can drive the two hours if they're dedicated fans. Thanks for the call. Yeah, they could drive. It's a tough drive, though. I mean, it is a tough drive, and you don't know. You say two hours. You could end up sitting on the on the expressway for six hours. If you've ever made that drive between San Diego and L.A., you know that the mileage is not necessarily the issue. It's the traffic. Josh in Kansas City, what's up? Hey, Clay. Uh, I just want to point out that we had Eric Berry back for the first time in 29 games for the first half of the game. And if you if you saw the defense, Eric Berry was in on almost every single stop. We have Eric Berry back at full capacity in the second half. They don't win that game. So when we go into Seattle, we're going to have Eric Berry for a longer. Probably not going to have him for the full game, but we're going to have Eric Berry longer, and our defense is just that much better with that veteran leadership in the secondary where they just carved us up in the secondary once we had to pull Berry out because of his injury. All yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, I appreciate the call. But remember, the Chargers were without Melvin Gordon. And they still ran the ball pretty well. And my concern would be that the Seahawks have got an incredible rushing attack. We all know Russell Wilson's a top 10 caliber quarterback in the NFL. So I think he's going to be fine. But that to me is the the thing that would be ominous to me if I were a Chiefs fan is the Seahawks are playing really well and they have a really balanced offensive attack. Blake in Tennessee. What's up, Blake? Hey, Clay, long-time listener. Thanks for taking my call. A couple things. Uh, as for the officiating, I agree with you 100%. I, I think that the inconsistency is just incredible to me. you got some games where they're letting the guys play on third down or in, in big-time plays, and then you got some games last night where they're just calling nothing. Um, I don't think it's going to change there because the NFL made it quite clear that they want high-scoring offenses. And just one more question for you. I wanted to know what you thought about Bruce Arians maybe going to Cleveland. Thanks for the call. I, I don't know what Cleveland is going to do. Well, let me talk about the – I'll talk about the Browns a little bit when we come back because I do think the Baker Mayfield story is a good one. They play tomorrow. There's a couple of Saturday games. Be uh, be aware because I think it's going to catch up a, a lot of people to not be aware. You've got uh, the, the Browns going on the road against the Broncos, and then you've got the Texans on the road against the Jets. Um, and I think Baker Mayfield is making a case for himself as Offensive Rookie of the Year, potentially against Saquon Barkley. I also think there's a possibility, at least to me, that Greg Williams could get to keep that job as the head coach of the Browns if you look at the way they've played ever since they replaced Hugh Jackson. It's been pretty phenomenal. We'll talk about that a little bit. We'll continue to dive in. Our guy Jeff Schwartz, former Kansas City Chief, and his brothers on the offensive line now. We'll talk about last night's big game with him as well. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage, and I'll be damned if we didn't get a hell of a Thursday night football game to finish out this year's NFL Thursday night football package. The LA Chargers come storming back and get a massive, massive win over the Kansas City Chiefs, setting up a battle royale down the stretch to see who is going to be the overall number one seed in the NFL. Now, let me say this before we play the audio for some of you who may have gone to sleep before that game ended, uh, after the Chiefs went went up 28-14 uh, with, uh, with about five minutes to play, and it looked like that game was over. Now, 
I disagree. There's very few things I disagree with about the NFL playoffs. The one thing that I have been fundamentally in disagreement with for years is that if you are the number two overall record in the AFC, like right now the Chargers are, and you're substantially better than the other teams, right? In other words, you have that number two spot outright. It isn't like you're winning it by a a tiebreak or something. I think it's unfair that the swing is between winning the division and having the number one overall seed to falling all the way to five. I think you should seed in the NFL playoffs based on record. And if I were, if I, they gave me a magic wand and they said, okay, Clay, what would you change about the NFL playoffs? Really, the only thing I would change is I would say, you get an automatic bid if you win your division. I'm fine with that. But you don't get an automatic home playoff game. I don't think that makes sense. For instance, if the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers finish, whatever they would finish, uh, seven, let's say they finish eight, seven, and one. And somehow that wins them the uh, the AFC North. That would mean that they lost both of their games the next two weeks. Let's say they lost to the Patriots. And then they went on the road and they lost to the Saints. Came back and won the final game of the year. I think it's against the Bengals or whoever they're playing to close out the season. I don't think that the Steelers should get to host a home playoff game over the potentially 13-3 uh, and Chargers who beat them head-to-head in the regular season. Does that make sense to everybody out there? Because the Chargers could finish 13-3 and and lose out to the Kansas City Chiefs, who would also finish 13-3 and on a tiebreak. And as a result of losing their division by a tiebreaker, they would fall all the way to the five seed. And despite going 13-3 and and going on the road and beating the Steelers head-to-head, the Steelers could host that home playoff game against the Chargers at 8-7-1. and one. Or the uh, Ravens could host it at 9-7. and seven. Either way, that doesn't make sense. If I were seeding the NFL playoffs, I would say top four teams by record get home playoff games regardless of whether they won divisions or not. You still have two wildcard teams, but you then reward teams like the Chargers or and maybe end up the Kansas City Chiefs, who played really well during the season and were the second best team and not drop them all the way down to number five. And I've thought that for 20 years. As long as the NFL has been doing their playoff in this form and fashion, I've never thought it made sense that you automatically reward division winners even if they sometimes end up with inferior records to wildcard winners just by a quirk of geography. I think it's unfair to either the Chargers or the Chiefs that because they happen to be in the same division, that they're then not allowed to finish one and two overall in the NFL playoffs. I'll ask your I'll ask the crew whether they agree with that. By the way, we're going to be visiting with Jeff Shorts here momentarily. But first, let me go ahead and bring in uh, the play from last night. This is what it sounded like on the Chargers radio network. If you were listening. Down the stretch, the Chargers driving the field, and they had this play to tie, we thought, before they decided to go for two, the game, and then they went for two, and they won, and this is what it all sounded like. Rivers in the shotgun. 
Looks to the right for Mike Williams, throws to Mike Williams, caught, touchdown! Touchdown, Chargers! Mike Williams with his third of the day. Shotgun snap, Rivers, rolls to the right, throws to the end zone, caught! It's good! It's good! Mike Williams with the grab! Chargers lead, 29-28. Um, that is the way it went down. Incredible, improbable ending. Phillip Rivers writing a hell of a script there for his uh, L.A. Chargers, who are now 10-1 and in their last 11 games after starting the season 1-2. and Do you guys agree with me that the seeding in the event that both these teams finish 13-3, and let's say they all win out, um, as is, or even you know that one of these teams loses but still finishes twelve and four with uh, the second best record in the AFC. Do you agree with me that it doesn't make sense to automatically give home playoff games to the divisional winners, Danny G? Yeah, I understand where you're coming from on that. I, I wonder how would you do it if we just started from scratch and you realigned everything? Would you just do away with divisions altogether? I think divisions probably are helpful for scheduling purposes because otherwise the NFL might think that it's too overwhelming. Like this way, they know that they start off with six games slotted already. You play everybody in your division twice and then you play, you know, the, the it's an easy setup, I think, schedule-wise because then you play one other division from the opposite side, right? So... Uh, everybody's division plays uh, another division from the NFC. I, I'm not really concerned with the way it's set up. I think you just simply say the top four teams get the playoff games. Like, I, I don't think that it makes any sense to have divisional winners automatically get home playoff games because it presumes that all divisions are created equal. And I think it can lead to ridiculous results like what could happen if you just look down the tea leaves here, I don't think it's improbable at all that the uh, Chargers could have to go back on the road to play against the Steelers, even though they will have finished three or four games better than them in the in the season and have beaten them head-to-head. What sense does that make at all? Eddie Garcia, are you with me that like it makes a lot more sense to just take the top four teams and give them home playoff games? Absolutely. Why should you reward a team because they play in a crappy division? I I, I totally agree with you. The yeah. teams with the best record have earned it through the regular season. They should get to host a playoff game. And I think it really could get brought into stark relief here if it were to happen that the Steelers win, and let's say they go 8-7-1 and one and find a way to win that division because the Ravens fall to 8-8, eight and eight, right? Or something like that. You could have a totally aberrant result where the 13-3 and three Chargers, who would be the second-best team in the AFC and have just narrowly lost a tiebreak to, uh, to the Chiefs, would have to go on the road and play against a team they already beat on the road and that they finished, whatever the math is, four and a half games better than during the regular season. Dub, are you with me? Yeah, I'm with you, and I think this is something that should go through all major sports in the United States. I mean, I don't know. I know this is a little different, but right now in the NBA, every team in the Western Conference except for the Phoenix Suns would be in the playoffs if they were in the East. Yeah, I know it's a, a, kind of a different conversation, but same sort of idea there. Yeah, I mean, I've said this before. I mean, when you have slanted uh, slanted conferences, kind of, um, and and one side ends up stronger than the other one, I think that's tough. And look, we've had in the past an even more ridiculous result. I remember. I mean, I, it seems like not many years ago to me. It's probably been a decade. The Seattle Seahawks went seven and nine and hosted a home playoff game. Uh, they didn't even have a winning record, and because they won what was an awful division that year, 
they got to host a home playoff game. That's just nonsensical. That was before they had Russell Wilson. Matt Hasselbeck was still the quarterback there, so it's been a while. But every now and then you get these situations that arise that make no sense. Roberto, are you with me? Just go ahead and let the top four teams get home playoff games? Yeah, yeah. It should be by by record and not what division you're in. Like the NBA has it. Um, so I think you look at the uh, I, I think you look at the way that's shaken out. That's an easy fix. The NFL. Somebody called in earlier and said, "Hey, the NFL spends a lot of time looking at uh, rules every off season." To me, that's one that would just be a really easy fix. And then you have still two wild card teams, but the two wild card teams just get slotted in, and everybody gets seated one to six based on their record. I mean, that seems to me to be make perfect sense. And I don't know why you wouldn't just adjust it. I'm I, I'm fine with the eight uh, eight four team divisions uh, because again, I think it makes it's somewhat easy to kind of at least know what a substantial portion of the schedule is going to look like, and it kind of keeps things fair. And I'm fine with every division winner getting a bid. I just don't think it makes sense to give every division winner a bid and also guarantee them a playoff spot. When I think if you look at the AFC West this year. With two games to go, it's a very good chance the top two teams in the NFL are going to be the Chiefs and the Chargers. Instead of putting them into a situation where they fall all the way from one to five, we should be talking about right now, hey, it looks like the Chiefs and the Chargers are going to be the one in the two seed and get buys in the first round of the playoffs. That's the way we should be talking about this. And I don't know how many other people are going to come on the radio or write columns about it today, but it's something that I have thought for years and every now and then, um, it becomes more apparent than other years. And this is, I think, one of those years where we're going to look at it and say, wait a minute, why do we just automatically give home playoff games to the four division winners when a wild card team can be the second best team in a conference? It's just nonsensical to me. I'll ask Jeff Schwartz what he thinks about that when we come back. Uh, he's a former offensive lineman in the NFL, played for the Kansas City Chiefs. His brother, Mitch, is on the offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs right now. I'll see what he thinks going forward, what he thought about that game, what he thought about the officiating in general. Lots of different storylines to hit with him, and we will coming up momentarily. But first, I want to tell you, as we roll into the weekend, you like steak? You like really extraordinary, delectable meals? I do, and I bet you guys do too. And would you like to be able to either give yourself a gift or give somebody else a gift of steak? Uh, let me tell you how to do it. You go to omahasteaks.com, and right now, if you go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code TRAVIS into the search bar, you'll get 74% off Omaha Steaks family gift package. Originally $195. Right now, it's $49.99. You save nearly $150. What do you get in that family gift package? You get four top sirloin steaks, two premium pork chops, four chicken fried steaks, four Omaha steak burgers, four kielbasa sausages, all beef meatballs, perfectly browned potatoes are gratin four of them and four made from scratch caramel apple tartlets guys if you go out for a meal at a steakhouse you're going to pay a hundred dollars for two people right now i'm giving you multiple meals for 49.99 that's every bit as good as a lot of the meals that you get at steakhouse if not better Omaha Steaks, fifth-generation family-owned company, over 100 years of experience delivering perfectly aged beef hand-cut by master butchers in Omaha. Get this limited-time package for only $49.99. Again, $195 value. When you go to omahasteaks.com, type Travis in the search bar and add the family gift package to your cart. That's Travis 
and the family gift package at omahasteaks.com. Travis in the search bar, the family gift package today. Save nearly 150 bucks. You can make people think you spent a ton on their Christmas present, and you can also give them delectable, luscious, spectacular, beautiful steaks. Up next, Jeff Schwartz. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. This is Baby It's Cold Outside that we're playing right now, the politically correct version. Since uh, in our country we've gone completely insane and some people are like banning songs and everything else, we started playing this song because it was getting banned by other people. So this is the politically correct version as you were listening to it. Uh, One of you out there sent that to me and uh, as appreciation for the fact that we're still playing the show. So uh, I hope you enjoyed that. If you're wondering what in the world is that, that's the answer. Welcome back. Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. It's a confident show, particularly uh, when we are about to have Jeff Shorts coming on to break down what was an incredible game for us. But first, Eddie Garcia, what you got for me? Thursday night football in Kansas City saw the Chargers beat the Chiefs 29-28. to L.A. rallied down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, scored with four seconds left to pull within one, then decided to not go for the extra point and tie it and send it to overtime. They went for two, and it was Phillip Rivers hitting Mike Williams with the two-point conversion. Williams had a huge night. He had two touchdown catches, one rushing touchdown in addition to catching the uh, two-point conversion that won the game. Chargers snap a nine-game losing streak to Kansas City, and they clinch a playoff spot. Both teams are 11-3 and and tied for the top record in the AFC. NBA, four games on the schedule. Rockets beat the Lakers 126-111. It was the Spurs over the Clippers 125-87. Magic beat the Bulls 97-91. And the Suns took care of the Mavericks 99 99- to 89. The NHL season continues tonight with the Boston Bruins and the Pittsburgh Penguins at 7 p.m. Eastern. It's our Discover Card key matchup. Speaking of matchups, you become a new card member and Discover Card will match all the cash back you've earned dollar for dollar at the end of your first year. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Back to play Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. We are indeed here at the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Jeff Shorts, give me a letter grade for the officiating last night. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't very good. Um, I'm not even sure it's average. I'm, and I'm like a, an ardent defender of referees on Twitter because I feel like they get a bad rap. But the problem is last night was bad, right? I mean, you have uh, the holding call on the first drive. It's amazing how many times the Chargers this year have scored on a possession after getting kind of a gift call. Remember, or no calls, right? They scored twice this year when the offensive tackle was clearly offside. One of those eventually led to a firing of an official. Uh, they scored last night off of kind of a, a phantom um, a phantom uh, holding call on Sorensen. Now, look, the last drive of the game, that was a helmet-to-helmet on Rivers. I mean, that gets called even before this new rule got put in. So that was pretty surprising. And that was a clear and, – and, <clears throat> I don't terribly believe in makeup calls. Like, I don't think the back judge thought to himself, I have to make up because I missed a call. But that was an atrocious pass interference. Are you dying right now? I might be. I, might, I was up late last night just stewing after this loss. So it was upsetting. So, uh, yeah, so in, let's, let's kind of break this stuff down um, because we were talking about it earlier. So when you uh, are – you played eight years as an offensive lineman. And yeah. I feel like for a long time there was the talk, oh, you could call holding on almost every play. Yeah. I feel like uh, on the offensive line, one way or the other, I feel like now 
a lot of times you can call hands to the face uh, and also defensive holding on almost any play. And so when I uh, criticize officiating, what I say is, if I'm going to call defensive holding, I need to consider the time and the context. If it's third and 10 and the defense is doing a pretty good job and the defensive holding is not egregious, it's a huge decision by me to throw my flag, even though it's only a five-yard penalty, because it guarantees the offense three more plays. And I thought there were at least two different uh, defensive holding calls that were made that were clearly not defensive holding, or at least they weren't so egregious that it should have been called. And both of them led to touchdowns. Now, one was for the Chiefs and one was for the Chargers. And the other one is like, I want the discretion to be used in a smart way by officials. When Patrick Mahomes is getting sacked, and somebody lightly grazes his face mask, you know, as part of the sack. Like, the offense has lost that play. I don't like when the uh, offense gets bailed out because, like, look, if a defensive player grabs, a, uh, like, the quarterback by his face mask and yanks him down, and that's the only reason the tackle is happening. But if it's an incidental play as part of a sack, I feel like that's just a huge swing play because that Chiefs drive probably is dead there if they don't call that face mask. Now, it's just a couple of plays, Right. Do you agree with me in general about that analysis? I'm fairly certain they called that penalty on Bosa against the left tackle, not on Pat Mahomes, because he grabbed his face mask and shoved him back, which is not allowed anymore. Uh, they used to not care about that. I think I don't think that. So I don't think that was on Bosa hitting Mahomes' face mask. I could be wrong, but his hands were all up in Eric Fisher's grill. As far as the holding, so I, I generally agree with you, right? Third or fifteen defensive holding, but the problem is. It's like if you're an official throwing that, you don't know what the quarterback is doing. Yeah. So to say, but you that, know, but you know the scenario of it being third and right. ten, and so but if you third, throw the flag there, ten, it gives an automatic first down. Right. So, you, so you can say it should be a five yard penalty and no first down. Yeah, that's what I said but, earlier. But to just to just say that the referee should know better is kind of tough because what if you know what if you're holding the tight end and he's the primary read. You, know, you don't know that as the back. Yeah, side. no, I'm You're not just... saying if it's a clear hold. Like in the in the the Chargers' third ter- touchdown, there was like the guy, the defensive back had his jersey and was clearly tugging on it yeah. and holding it. That's a that that to me is like an obvious and readily apparent hold. But some of these others, like if you're not. I just feel like defensive holding is getting called a ton and you watch the replay and you can't tell why why it got called on one play yeah. and not another. And we can't have calls like those. Right. No, I agree with you. I will say, however, the Chiefs like lead the NFL in defensive holding. So it's no surprise to any Chiefs fan they got flagged for pass interference defensive. They lead the NFL. I looked it up. There's a website actually lists every penalty in the NFL. You can go and look it up. It's, not, it's a free website. Um, like the average per team for like – defensive holdings and pass interference this year is like seven or something. The Chiefs have 10 and 11 heading into this game of both pass interference and defensive holding. I mean, they're way above and beyond um, what any team does as far as that. So that, that doesn't surprise me, but I, I generally agree with you. At third 18, there's a slight holding and or you know illegal contact downfield, and it wipes out the third 18 and makes it a first down. I generally am I'm with you there. It's, it's, that's a lot for a defense to have to give up for maybe a, a holding that doesn't affect the play at all. We're talking to Jeff Schwartz, former NFL offensive lineman. His brother Mitch is on the starting offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs right now. We're obviously breaking down Chiefs Chargers. Okay, so you also mentioned the Phillip Rivers like hit to the head. I thought that was an egregious miss because, one, he was already on the ground, and you're trying to protect quarterbacks, you say, excessively no matter what. Two, 
he clearly got wrecked and got hit in the head. Um, you watch a lot of college football. In college football, that is one billion percent flagged, and they go look at whether or not it's targeting to eject the player. It seems to me, and then like college football fans complain a lot about the way that targeting gets implemented. But yes, the goal is clearly to try and protect players. If the NFL truly cares about protecting players, shouldn't of all the calls, the one they never miss should be a helmet-to-helmet on a quarterback? Uh, yes, I agree with you there. Um, again, kind of go back to how I typically sort of defend the refs at times. I mean, look, we, we get to see replays in slow motion of great angles. I mean, where the referees were, that could have been hard to see. And I understand where they could miss that call. I mean, but I I'm saying it make it a default automatic. Call. Throw the flag like in yeah, college. Then, and then if you're wrong, you can review it really quickly and take it off the board. So, okay, so here's what happened. So, if, and this is and this leads to something that I, that I absolutely despise about the two minute inside two minutes reviewing a play. So let's say they, let's say they review the play, and inside of two minutes, Chargers have no timeouts. Uh, they had they had one there, but let's let, let's say they have none, and they review the play, and they rule that there's no targeting on the field. They'll give a 10 second runoff to the Chargers for reviewing the play under two minutes. Um, if the call is not reversed on the field, I think that's the rule. Um, and like that to me is, a t- I, I hate that rule so much. Like the Chargers did not initiate the review; it's not their fault. Uh, the NFL missed the call or wants to make sure the call is correct, and they initiate the review, and the Chargers get, get charged basically ten seconds for it because there's no timeouts left and the clock is running. So I agree with you that that they probably should be reviewable, but the same people would complain that there's a five-minute delay with 30 seconds left in the game to review a targeting call. And sometimes that happens, but if your goal is to protect a quarterback, that's one you can't miss to me. And also, by the way, Anthony Lynn is not getting criticism over this, but he didn't call timeout immediately after that play, and they let like 15 seconds run off while Phillip Rivers was arguing about that. If they had lost this game or or if the clock had run out, um, then that would be a huge story because that was pretty b- bad mismanagement, I thought, on the sideline given the circumstances. Okay, we talked a lot about the officiating already. Let's talk about Phillip Rivers. He made two throws on that final drive that I'm not sure more than two or three quarterbacks in the NFL could or would make. On first and 20 to begin that drive after a holding penalty, he throws an incredible 31-yard pass over the middle of the field that is just like, my balls are bigger than your balls, an unbelievable throw, right? I mean, that, yeah. you, you are not, I mean, that, like, that's a throw that not even very many NFL quarterbacks would attempt, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the guy across the field and across the sideline can do that. that. That throw, Mahomes can make. It's the second throw that's the one that sets him apart for most quarterbacks. The fourth I mean, and eight, the fourth and eight yeah. throw, I mean, there was perfect. Like, the Chiefs fans have called in this morning on my show complaining about defensive coordinator and everything else. There's no way to defend the throw that he made on fourth and eight. No, I mean, and and and, and Treisman said that he goes, look, I mean, Fuller's right there. Like, I, what do you want him to do? I mean, like, the throw was in the only spot, the only spot where it was a wide receiver's ball and no one else's. And those are kind of, you know, that throw reminds me a lot of those back shoulder fades that Aaron Rodgers throws, where like the ball is only caught by the wide receiver. That's the only option. There's no other option for the defender because. These quarterbacks are, have such pinpoint accuracy now, and I love Philip Rivers. He stands in the pocket, he takes hits. He's a tough SOB. Seems like he's fun to play for. Um, and that throw right there is pretty amazing. I mean, I think that, you know the stats circulating. You know, when teams are down fourteen plus fourteen plus points with 
five minutes left this year. They're 0 88. Rivers was like 0 20 in his career. And, yeah. And then obviously they won the game. And I actually, I love the call by Anthony Lynn to go for two there because you, you have a three game lead in a wild card. Like you're, you're, you're making the playoffs. And you're not winning the West and you're not getting a home game if you don't win that game last night. And so I thought the call was fabulous. I, I think a lot of coaches may, might kick a, and, you know, an extra point, which, you know, now doesn't get made all the time, and then play for overtime, and he said, screw it, man. And, it, look, it makes sense. The Chiefs defense is awful. I mean, I would, you know, I, I would do that. I mean, man coverage, a little inside-out route, a little switch route, and that's it. It's also really smart because there's only four seconds left, so you either win or lose the game right there. It's almost impossible for the Chiefs to then come back and do anything offensively. Like, it was set up perfectly right. in that scenario. And, you know, look, the Chiefs – I mean, they talk about the, the fine line between wins and losses – the Chargers now have won a game on a two-point conversion effectively to end the game, and they have won a game on stopping a two-point conversion yeah, against the right. Titans to win a game. Um, it's amazing to win both sides of that equation in what is you know, a really high-pressure-packed situation there. Um, so, obviously, we now have two teams tied at 11-3 and three coming down the stretch with two games to go. One of them will win the division. Right now, the Chiefs have the tie break. Right before you came on, I kind of hopped on my soapbox and I said, I'm curious what you think. To me, it doesn't make sense in the NFL playoffs to reward a team that wins its division that is infinitely worse than the second wildcard team's overall record. And in particular this year, we could end up with the 8-7-1 and Pittsburgh Steelers that lost at home head-to-head to the San Diego Chargers, so the LA Chargers, getting to host them even though the Chargers finish 13-3 and and lose the tiebreak. Shouldn't the NFL award home field to the four best teams in each conference as opposed to the four division winners, regardless of what their records are? I mean, I guess. And I, I, I deal where, I mean, you know, the, the 2013, the year you, you jinxed the Chiefs, um, we were 11-5. We would have had, a, I guess, a home game in that situation. Right? Yeah. Because I think we're 13-3. and We were 11-5. and I don't know. I'm not a big fan of just changing – the playoffs based off of one or two years but this happens a lot this happens a lot i mean to me it's an easy solution i think everybody would kind of nod and say okay i get that even why have divisions well Well, i think the the argument would be yeah the argument for the division would be it makes scheduling a lot easier honestly it does make scheduling easier but you know there's going to be years where your division's good other years your division's bad i mean it's what kind of makes the nfl fun is that there's importance to winning your division right i mean that you have to you know, the Chargers, if they don't lose to the Broncos at home and chuck the game away, then they're winning the division right now. They, they didn't do that, and now they still have to go to Denver. They have Baltimore. The Chiefs, I think, are going to lose in Seattle next week. I thought they were going to lose in Seattle, win or, win or lose the game last night. Um, and then, you know, then, so you just got to win, you, you gotta win the right games, right? The Chiefs have the tiebreaker right now because they're better in the division. So um, I, I, don't, I don't really see a problem with it. I mean, the Chargers now have won in Pittsburgh and Kansas City, so if they're the five seed and have to go play, uh, in Pittsburgh again, I, I I don't really think that's a big issue for them. As you come down the stretch, should Chiefs fans be nervous? Yeah, I don't think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. I said, I said that since the Rams game. Everyone was, you know, look, we, we we overreact so much after game. It really does bother me. I mean, like, it's funny because there's people in the NFL that know better, that know that the NFL is not a league to overreact. And maybe college football is um, because, you know, there's emotions of, of the kids and whatnot. Um, but the, the NFL is not a league where, where you overreact very often. And after the Rams and, and, and Chiefs game, everyone's like, oh, my God, defense is dead. It's never coming back. 
and then people screaming about this would be the Super Bowl. Both the Rams and Chiefs were never making the Super Bowl. Um, and that doesn't change my opinion of that. The Chiefs this year, this is a bonus year for them. Pat Mahomes' first year as a, as a starter. Uh, the defense is still a work in progress. This does not surprise me at all. I never thought they won the Super Bowl this year. I still think they won the Super Bowl this year. Um, and that's fine. You have, a, you have a, a young quarterback. You have time. You have, you have three more years on his rookie deal. So who do you think is going to be in the Super Bowl then if you don't think the Rams or the Chiefs will be there? The Saints. The Saints are good. I think we look at that game against Dallas and think to ourselves, well, they suck because they lost to Dallas. Look, their defense has played really well. They allowed 13 points to the Cowboys. They allowed 14 to Tampa. They allowed 14-3, storm back to win that game by, by 14. The Saints are good. They're going to have home field. They're going to play in the Dome for, for their two games. That's a big deal in my opinion. Um, and I, I think they're going to – they're going to win the NFC. And look, until the Patriots lose, I'm going with the Patriots. I mean, it's kind of the way I always feel about the playoffs. If, you know, the Patriots will probably not have home field now unless some weird stuff happens. But until they lose, I'm going with them. Look, I think San Diego is a good, viable option. Uh, it'd be really weird to see an AFC championship game in front of 27,000 fans, half of which aren't even the home fans. So um, I wonder if the NFL would like move that game to a Coliseum or something. That'd be really, that'd be really wild with it. Yeah, it would be. It would be wild if they, or if they decided to move it to San Diego and play in front of the old home fans. Um, but uh, now I'm curious for you. Um, we we haven't even played this audio yet. I will next segment, and then I'll let people react. You're a former NFL player. When you hear Stephen A. Smith breaking down the game on first take, and he says the matchup that he's most interested in watching is Hunter Henry, who hasn't played all year, despite the fact that Stephen A. says he's been very good all year against Derek Johnson, who no longer plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think he's out of the league right now. Yes. Uh, what a player! What is a player response when you see things like that? So I sort of defended him on Twitter yesterday because, hey, like, who cares, man? I mean, if you're turning to Stephen A. Smith for, for NFL analysis, that's your problem, first of all. Um, and, and second of all, like, he just does it, – it's – the Spencer Ware, I get right. He just got. He just was. I out, like, full dis- Yes, full disclosure. Like I was making bets on who was going to score the first touchdown in this game, and my initial bet was Spencer Ware. I just didn't know that he had been ruled out. By the way, I love how how, how you give Furman a, a grief for like taking like a really like a really sharp weird play, and you you and Sal just bet the board, and he just takes like a a prop like it's, just, it's amazing i love it. yeah on our show it. lock it in Furman like bets all these games that nobody cares about and i try to bet because my my thing is on the show people like gambling because they want to hear what you think about big games right so right. Furman's like hey i'm a sharp i sharp guys don't bet on big games because they tend to be picked over and they're harder and stuff like that yes every week this year I have bet on Monday night football and I have bet on Thursday night football because that's what people watch. And I think your average fan bets on games that he watches, not, you know, like like Furman put a bunch of money on like an English Premier League soccer match to end in a tie. Uh, and I don't even know what happened in the result. But I'm like, nobody is, first of all, the number of people watching the EPL is low. But the number of people watching the EPL and betting for a game to end on a tie is like infinitesimally small, right? So, uh, right. so Sal and I try to bet games that people actually care about. Furman's out here betting, you know, like I think he bet Georgia. Yeah, he bet Georgia State UCF college basketball earlier this week. And I'm like... There's literally eight people watching that game. 
And it's great because, I mean, he, I get what he's doing, obviously. He knows what he's doing. He's a sharp. But, like, I'm with you. I bet, like last night, for example, the one bet I love, I love Chargers over 24.5 points. Like, that's the one bet I made. And then, like, I was like, I, I can't go without betting the line in this game. So, like, an hour before the game, I just bet the Chiefs. I knew it was a terrible bet. I didn't like it. But I was like, I have to have some action on this game outside of the, the root of Oh, the I mean, as game. good as that game was, that touchdown pass with four seconds left, in addition to the fact that it obviously changed the outcome of the game itself, it hit the over, and it also got the Chargers to cover. And then when they went for two, a lot of people, like me, were like, yes, because then you know if you had the Chargers plus three and yeah, a half, you win. you win one way or the other, right? Like it's yeah, unless it's the enough. unless you get an amazing like you know touchdown reco- you know return or something on, with four seconds left, you basically guarantee that you got the win. Whereas if you go to overtime, it wouldn't have been a surprise at all if the Chiefs had gotten the ball and scored a touchdown to win it, right? Um, so uh, so that is uh, that's pretty crazy. So your prediction is you think the Chiefs go on the road and lose against the, the uh, against the Seahawks? Yeah, I think they lose the Seahawks to beat the Raiders in Week 17. But look, the the Ravens go. The Ravens will win this weekend against Tampa. They'll yep. go into San Diego next week. San Diego doesn't play well at home because they don't have a home field advantage. Who knows how that game goes? But then they have to go to Denver, and Denver has a possibility of being eight and seven heading into that home game, the Week 17 game. And they already beat the Chargers. Like, there's no guarantee the Chargers go into Denver and win that game Week 17. So it's going to be a wild ending. Uh, and look, we have we have Patriots Steelers this weekend, so the Patriots have a have an off chance of winning out, you know, and getting themselves back in the hunt of, of being, again, at home field advantage. So it's a wild – both both sides, I think, are pretty pretty much wild. And the Saints, I feel like the Saints, they have the Panthers twice uh, down the stretch uh, this weekend in Charlotte, Monday night, and then New Orleans. I feel like they have the best shot right now to get a one seed in either, in either conference. Good stuff, as always. Jeff Schwartz, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Take care, bud. That is uh, Jeff Shorts. Go follow him on Twitter. Final segment of the of the hour, hour two here. We're going to play you the Stephen A. Smith audio on first take. If you haven't t- heard it, it's hysterical. He's breaking down the game. You're going to want to listen to this. Then we'll have your reactions. 877-996-6369 on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Welcome back. Geico Outkick Studios. It's never a good look when you untuck a long, bulky dress shirt. That's why Untuck It makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked. Go to untuckit.com to see the new fall arrivals. Untuckit.com, your solution to perfecting casual. Use promo code CLAY for 20% savings. Um, Okay, this is the Mona Lisa of bad takes. And I'm going to let you guys react to it. Uh, Yesterday... Stephen A. Smith on first take on ESPN was breaking down the Chargers-Chiefs game. And as part of the game, let me give you a prelude before you hear it, uh, he refers to the Chargers as the San Diego Chargers. I do that on this show. Jeff Schwartz just did it. That's not a big deal, right? I mean, the team's been moved to L.A. for a short amount of time. To me, this team that I grew up with is called the San Diego Chargers. I've been talking about them for a generation that way. It's not a surprise that you might get the city wrong. Also, he says that Spencer Ware is going to be a big impact in the game. I give him a pass on that because Spencer Ware being out for the game was relatively new information. Something that somebody should have briefed him on, of course, but that's an easy mistake to make. Then he says the matchup that he thinks is going to be the the most interesting, and this is incredible to me, is Hunter Henry, a Chargers tight end who has not played all year, 
going up against, uh, who was it? Did, not Derek Thomas, who's uh, I think unfortunately, Derek Johnson, the linebacker for the Kansas City Chiefs, who is no longer with the Kansas City Chiefs and basically is retired. And so here is that audio. Let's play it. I'm going to have some faith in, in Spencer Ware and thinking that, you know, he can do some things. I'm keeping my eyes on this matchup right here. Spencer you got Ware's your linebacker. out. I'm sorry? Spencer Ware is out. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I forgot. I'm sorry, out Max. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He is out. But I'm thinking Tyreek Hill. I'm yeah. thinking Patrick Mahomes. I'm also looking at the San Diego Chargers on offense, and I'm thinking about Hunter Henry and the way that he's played this year and as effective as he's been. He's going up against Derrick Johnson, and I got to keep my eyes on that. So that is amazing. I mean, that level of futility is amazing. Now, I talk on television for an hour every day, in addition to doing radio. I make a lot of mistakes. On live radio, on live television, you get names crossed over. Uh, you get you get teams mixed up. It's You get players mixed up. It's not uncommon to make errors. But to make that specific of an error... To say that Hunter Henry has been really good all year when he's been on injured reserve all year. And then, and by the way, the Teddy Bruschi, uh, Bruschi reaction shots, if you haven't seen that video, you can go search it out at Clay Travis on Twitter. What, like, uh, I mean, what's the worst mistake I've made on this show, Danny G? Like, you've noticed and you've been like, oh my God, I can't believe Clay's done that. Have I done anything even remotely approaching <laughs> that? No, I mean, once in a while you'll say outkick the show which obviously, I mean, that's a mistake that you could make because that's one of your other shows. Your That's your Periscope show. Um, let's see. And, I mean, your whole thing with it's game 13 of week 14 going into 15. We've all played 12 games. That confuses us sometimes. That's just stupid. First of all, I think the week, <laughs> saying the week when everybody uh, has a bye week makes no sense. Right, but, we're going into, like, but if we're going into week 14 and everyone just says week 14 of the NFL, I think that sometimes you make it harder on yourself by explaining the bye and all that. But generally, as far that as is players. Like so far down the flow chart. No, it really, to- that, that's what I was just going to say. As far as knowing players and a little bit about every team, you don't make those kind of errors. Thank God. I'd have to be doing extra post-production after the show so what should be like I want to open up the phone line to everybody else uh, and I want your reaction when you hear a talking head get something that wrong what is your reaction and we'll talk obviously as we start hour three about the Chargers and uh, and the make sure I get the teams right the Chargers and the Chiefs games 877-996-6369 I like Stephen A I think he's really talented but when you have a goof like that, how does it happen? I'll take you into what I think might have happened from a television perspective, and we'll also break down an incredible Thursday night football game and what it means for the NFL season going forward. Up next, final hour of the week on OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico OutKick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And we're brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you treat you. Hope all of you are having fantastic Friday mornings. Final hour of the show. We're rolling through. And some of you may have gone to sleep last night before the conclusion of the game. 28-14. I'll be honest with you. If I hadn't bet on this game, With about eight minutes to go, when the final touchdown happened for the Kansas City Chiefs, and they went up 28-14, to I might very much have turned the television off. You know how there's a lot of talk about how gambling is going to change 
the way that people watch sports and everything else. The final touchdown for the Kansas City Chiefs came with eight minutes and 15 seconds to go in the fourth quarter. Um, and uh, and they went up 28-14 to 14 at that point in time after a really long eight, nine-minute drive, it felt like. And at that point in time, the Kansas City Chiefs were a prohibitive favorite. In fact, 28-14, to 14, up 14 points. Since 2,000 teams trailing by 14 points with five minutes remaining in the game have won 12 times out of a possible 2,059. A couple of other wild stats. Chiefs were 39-0 under Andy Reid with a 14-plus point lead in the fourth quarter. The most wins without a loss of any team since 2013. And the Chargers are now 2-1 and one on the road when trailing by at least 14 points this season. They won at the Steelers. The rest of the NFL is 3-78. and 78. Chargers are racing a 14-point deficit in the final five minutes. Entering Thursday, teams were 0-88 this season when trailing by 14-plus points in the final five minutes of regulation. And Phillip Rivers was 0-20 in his career in those situations. So it wouldn't have been crazy at all given especially how many of you listen to us on the East Coast, even the Central time zone, got to get up early in the morning. That's a late night, right? I stay up and watch all these Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night games. By Friday, I am dead dog tired because I got to turn around and get up early the next morning and talk about everything. And so if I hadn't gambled on this game, I think I probably would have been, I was laying in bed watching it. I was pretty tired. I think I probably would have turned it off. But because I had gambled, I had the over, and I had the San Diego slash LA Chargers plus three and a half, I was thinking to myself, I have to watch the rest of this game. And it ended up being a classic. But I bet there were a lot of you out there, you can come clean, you can be honest, that said when they went up 28-14, now the numbers suggest this game is going to be over and there's no way the Chargers are going to come back. And so a lot of you probably tuned out. If you did, then you missed this. Let's play the final touchdown and the final two-point conversion for the Chargers' big win over the Chiefs. Rivers in the shotgun. Looks to the right for Mike Williams. Throws to Mike Williams. Caught! Touchdown! Touchdown, Chargers! Mike Williams with his third of the day. Shotgun snap. Rivers rolls to the right. Throws to the end zone. Caught! It's good! It's good! Mike Williams with the grab. Chargers lead 29-28. That's the Chargers radio network. And uh, it has been a hell of a season for Phillip Rivers. And uh, they are on a roll. 10-1 in their last 11. Only lost final play of the game. Field goal by the Denver Broncos. They started off the season 1-2. 10-1 since. The Chargers won a game there on a two-point conversion. They also won a game stopping a two-point conversion back in October in London when the Titans tried to go uh, for two to get the win there. So that is the scenario now as we come down the stretch of the AFC season. These two teams, the Chargers and the Chiefs, tied up at 11-3. and The Chargers finish with games against the Baltimore Ravens. It's not an easy game, certainly. The Ravens travel out to L.A. And then they go on the road against the Broncos to conclude their season. Meanwhile, The Kansas City Chiefs, they have a really tough game. They go on the road against the Seattle Seahawks next Sunday, 
and then they get to close with what should be a relatively easy game, although you never know the way they're playing right now, with the Oakland Raiders coming to town uh, to close out for the Chiefs. If they both finish 13-3, and Chiefs have the tie break with the better division record. They would get the one seed, and the Chargers would fall all the way to the five seed. If the Chargers manage to win this division, then the Chiefs would fall to the five, and uh, the Chargers would be the one, which would set up a crazy situation in L.A. Maybe they move the game and play in the Coliseum. Maybe they continue to play in the StubHub Center in front of 27,000 fans. Who knows? An AFC Championship game could be played in front of 27,000 fans. That is a possibility. So there are all sorts of wildness that can unspool from these results. Also, I think one of the biggest, most egregious aspects of the NFL postseason is that the wild card teams automatically at best are the five and six seeds. You could have a situation here where the two best teams in the AFC are the Chiefs and the Chargers. I think they should be one and two. I think that the overall home playoff game should go to the four best teams regardless of what division they happen to be in instead of rewarding all four division champs. You could end up with a situation where the 13-3 and three, uh, LA Chargers go on the road against the 8-7-1 and one Pittsburgh Steelers, who they've already beaten in Pittsburgh. That, to me, does not make any sense at all. Also, big story, the officiating, it was awful. Both directions. Way too many defensive holding calls. They missed a helmet-to-helmet on Phillip Rivers. They made up for it with what I thought was a bad offensive pass interference call. I mean, sorry, defensive pass interference call. It was just a game where the officials loomed far, far too large in the overall context. And as if that weren't enough, I was really shocked that Stephen A. Smith's breakdown of this game that happened yesterday was not the deciding factor. Uh, If you missed that, here is one of the funniest uh, Mona Lisa of hot take uh, miss, missteps. Here is Stephen A. Smith breaking down a game featuring two players, Hunter Henry, who hasn't played all year, and Derek Thomas, who is no longer Derek Thomas, Derek uh, Johnson, who is no longer on the Kansas City Chiefs. Derek, uh, Derek Thomas, by the way, also no longer on the Kansas City Chiefs. Here is what Stephen A. Smith sounded like yesterday on first take. I'm going to have some faith in in Spencer Ware and thinking that, you know, he can do some things. I'm keeping my eyes on this matchup right here. Spencer Ware is out. I'm sorry? Spencer Ware is out. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I forgot. I'm sorry, Max. I'm sorry. Absolutely. He is out. But I'm thinking Tyreek Hill. I'm thinking Patrick Mahomes. I'm also looking at the San Diego Chargers on offense, and I'm thinking about Hunter Henry and the way that he's played this year and as effective as he's been. He's going up against Derrick Johnson, and I got to keep my eyes on that. So neither one of those guys are actually in the game at all. And also, obviously, I say this too. I mean, the San Diego Charger mess up is not a big one. And frankly, the Spencer Ware being out with an injury, a lot of people might not be on top of that. But what did you think of Stephen A. Smith? And also, you can react to all of the uh, all of the game, uh, the stories and, and permutations and outlines that we just ran through there, 877-996-6369. Let me go to Jeff in Virginia. What's up, Jeff? Hey, what's going on, Clay? Living the dream, uh, man. What you got I for me? Go- I, I just wanted to react to the Stephen A. thing, man. If you take a look at his show, I don't know if you watch it regularly, but that's his go-to line. He he just wants to go to that line every time he doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, but, you know, he spends a lot of time hating on the Cowboys, so apparently he watches all the Cowboy games. 
but he don't watch the teams that have the better records games. Yeah, I appreciate so the call. I, appreciate I, the call. I, I think the challenge in general when you do national sports talk or radio, and I do it, or you do national television, is there are a lot of teams you need to know. And so what I try to do is focus on the big names that everybody is going to know. I've done local radio. If you do local radio, then it makes sense that you dive into the nitty-gritty of individual teams because most of the people who are listening to you are huge fans of that individual team and everybody's watching the same game. By and large, I watch NFL all day. I watch college football all day. But I try and focus on the big names as opposed to trying to pretend that I'm some X's and O's genius and I'm going to talk to you about Hunter Henry against Derek Johnson. That's not the kind of matchup I would talk about because I, first of all, would have known that Hunter Henry has... <laughs> I remember Hunter Henry from Arkansas a lot more than I remember Hunter Henry in the NFL so far. And uh, and Derek Johnson, I remember, uh, from last year in the playoffs when ESPN blew it and thought that he had picked up a fumble to return it for a touchdown against the Titans in the postseason. And in reality, Derrick Henry was already sitting on the ground when uh, when they lost the ball. So my question in general for you is, what do you expect from people like Stephen A? What do you expect from people like me? Clearly, we're not flawless. But that's about as big of a swing and a miss as you can possibly get. And so I'm curious, in general, your reactions. Jesse in Omaha. What's up, Jesse? Yeah, uh, for me personally, and, and to answer the question you just asked, it's kind of a confidence builder. Um, I have a side gig on one of those huge national content engines where I, I write about sports, and as a result of that, I go on the radio as well once in a while, and I know I make those mistakes. My friends will listen to me, and they'll say, you know, there's a really fine line between what it is you do and what those big national guys do. And I'm like, no, you're crazy. But then I hear Stephen A. Smith make a mistake like that, and I'm like, well, maybe there's something to that. So, yeah, personally – kind of a confidence booster. Um, he's a great writer and he's a great entertainer, as are you. Uh, so I don't take anything away from anybody who's made it that far. But uh, yeah, it gives us little guys a little bit to, uh, you know, boost our confidence. Yeah, yeah, look, I mean, first of all, reps matter to a large extent. The other thing is when you try to be an expert in everything, oftentimes you're not an expert in anything. That's one of the first lessons they tell you when you get elected to Congress or you get elected to the Senate. It's like trying to drink from a fire hose. So if you try to be an expert in everything, it's impossible. What you have to do, and and honestly, a lot of people do this when they become highly educated uh, professionals too. You have to find one or two things that you can know really well and then just try to do a good job with everything else. Like for instance, I think I know the NFL and college football pretty well, right? I think I know college football better than like 99.9% of the people in the media um, and break it down better. I think I know NFL better than the vast majority. You don't hear me talk a lot about baseball on this show. I don't know baseball that well. Doesn't mean I don't try when baseball, when we're in the World Series or we're in the playoffs, doesn't mean we don't have guests and that I don't try to act, uh, ask intelligent questions. But I'm not coming on uh, the morning after the World Series and pretending that I can tell you all the nuances of the two teams that have been playing all year. Uh, but so I think that all kind of balances out. Danny G, what you got? So I'm wondering from a TV perspective because – just as an NFL fan, like there was a lot of noise about Hunter Henry's injury because that is why they went out and re-signed Antonio Gates. And then Derek Johnson, that made a little bit of news because he signed with a rival in the Raiders before they released him. So to sleep on those storylines, is it because Stephen A relies on his TV producers too much? So away from the job, is he kind of sleeping on things? Was he ad-libbing there? How much of the TV 
for sports is the producer feeding you the information. Yeah, so, I mean, I do three hours of radio, and you guys can speak to this. I don't think you send me one thing other than our ad reads before we come on and do three hours of TV. So I think, I mean, three hours of radio. So I think when you answer for TV, there's a little bit of a difference depending on who the person is. Uh, For me on TV, I read 30 minutes before we go on. I read, uh, like, so when I finish, so for for like the breakdown of how we do television, I think people are kind of fascinated by this. I will, uh, when I finish the radio show this morning, I will go and start writing immediately on my website at OutKick. And then about uh, about 8 o'clock Pacific, so 11 a.m. Eastern, I will get an email from our producer that will lay out what we think the five opening stories will be on our show this afternoon. Uh, and those five stories, especially during football season, are almost always going to be football games. And so uh, as part of that discussion, they'll say, what do you think about these five questions? And I will respond in an email and say, hey, I think... X, Y, and Z, and obviously we're a gambling show, so we also have to make gambling picks and everything else, but we do almost everything via email. And then about 30 minutes, so I'll do that at uh, 11 a.m. Eastern, respond to that email, read the emails from everybody else, kind of there's an email chain going so I know what the topics are. About 30 minutes before our show, I will then go in and jot down my final thoughts of, and I'll have a producer who has emailed us with like some facts about those games. And I'll jot down my final thoughts. I'll also ask sometimes if you watch our show, we have full screen graphics. I'll be like, hey, how has Philip Rivers done against the Kansas City Chiefs in his career? And they'll put that graphic up and send it to me and be like, hey, here's the numbers that you, that you asked for. Um, but it's almost all driven by us. And if I get something wrong, it's almost entirely going to be on me. Now, other guys may get totally like everything kind of written out for them, Ron Burgundy style, in which case I talked about yesterday, I think it's possible that somebody set Stephen A. Smith up because they give little synopses. Like you'll get a rundown when you do a show and you'll be like, we, we break it down by different segments. The A block is the open of the show before you go to commercial break. The B block is after the first commercial break. The C block is after the second commercial break. Like That's television terminology for how the show is laid out. And they will lay out everything for them the entire show. So it's a planned production. It's not like when you sit down to do an hour-long show, you know exactly what the topics are going to be in order. Whereas here on radio, it's a lot less planned, at least on our show. We know a guest, but... Any segment, I can go in kind of any direction that I want to, um, other than I might get in Danny G's ear and say, hey, have that audio ready so we can make sure we're going to play it because I'm going to hit this in the next segment. Other than that, there's not a lot of prep, at least in my radio show. I like to kind of go freeform. I don't know what a caller is going to say. I don't know necessarily. I know what arguments I'm going to make, but I don't know how it's going to go elsewhere. Um, So I, I, I think that wouldn't stun me if what happened was, and you guys can tell me if you think this is a, a valid con- a possibility, but I think somebody might have done show prep for Stephen A and just cut and pasted from a breakdown of last year's Chargers-Chiefs game. And I don't know, because I'm not an expert in the Chargers, uh, expert in Chargers-Chiefs, but last year, could Hunter Henry against Derek Johnson have been a storyline that you would focus on if you were trying to sound smarter than you actually are, right? Because that's not, 
if you had said, hey, Antonio Gates, everybody knows Antonio Gates. If you had said, hey, Phillip Rivers having an MVP-style season, if you talk about Tyreek Hill like he did a little bit, if you talk about Patrick Mahomes, everybody knows those guys. But I think that Stephen A. was trying to sound smarter than the average fan because I don't think most people would even think of Hunter Henry or Derek Johnson as a distinguishing factor in the game. I think it's possible that one of his producers just cut and pasted from last year's rundown of the Chargers and Chiefs game and gave him bad information, and he read it, and in the back of his mind, he was thinking about that when they asked him what he thought about the game. I would bet that is how he ended up talking about Hunter Henry against Derek Johnson. I think somebody on his staff goofed and prepped him in an inappropriate, not inappropriate, but, uh, but an incorrect manner, and so that's how he ended up saying that and making such an egregious error. Getting the San Diego Chargers and the LA Chargers mixed up is a no- nothing story to me. That's very easy to do. Even the Spencer Ware story, we talked about yesterday on the show, I thought that Spencer Ware would score a touchdown. It's an injury situation that has happened in the last couple of days. If you're following 100 different stories in the world of sports, you might not know the latest on Spencer Ware's injury because there's so many different angles to follow there. I'm going to keep the phone lines open, 877-996-6369. I'm curious what your expectations are for people like me uh, when it comes to talking about sports in an intelligent fashion. Also, your reactions to the game that we just saw, which was incredible, Chargers against Chiefs. This is Outkick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. And I got to tell you, man, it makes a lot of sense whenever I get to my ads and I can tell you exactly which one I'm supposed to do here. Do I have one? Let's see. No, I'm good. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio, 877-996-6369. Come hang with us. Give us your feedback. Your phone lines are open for y'all. This is Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. We're brought to you by True Car. When it comes to selling or trading in your car, you need to make good choices, and with True Car, You've got a star on your roster, so when you're ready to sell or trade in your car, check out TrueCar. True Cash offer not available in all eras. Areas should be available in all eras, I think, but who knows? Uh, we are taking your calls, reacting to the Chargers, and also to Stephen A. Smith's big goof. If you haven't heard it, Stephen A. Smith broke down last night's Chargers Chiefs game on ESPN, and he said the matchup you needed to make sure that you didn't miss was Hunter Henry, who's been out on injured reserve at tight end all year, going up against Derek Johnson, who is currently retired. Um, here is that audio yesterday on First Take. I'm going to have some faith in, in Spencer Way and thinking that, you know, he can do some things. I'm keeping my eyes on this matchup right here. Spencer Ware is out. I'm sorry? Spencer Ware is out. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I forgot. I'm sorry, out Max. I'm foot. sorry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He is out. But I'm thinking Tyreek Hill. I'm yeah. thinking Patrick Mahomes. I'm also looking at the San Diego Chargers on offense, and I'm thinking about Hunter Henry and the way that he's played this year and as effective as he's been. He's going up against Derrick Johnson, and I got to keep my eyes on that. Neither one of the guys actually on the field. One retired, the other one on injured reserve, Hunter Henry, and hasn't played all year really really funny to swing and miss like that I'm talking about how it could have happened from my perspective as a guy who also does national radio and also does national television and frankly is far from perfect as well we all make mistakes no matter what our job is it's a pretty big whiff uh Nate in Indiana your reaction uh hi uh good morning so 
My thing was, he later tweeted about Virgil Green. He said he meant Virgil Green, but he called Hunter Green effective. So there, that, that kind of made me wonder to your point about the um, the producer being in his ear. And then, look, I'm not a fan of either team, but I knew both of those guys were out. So as a national media person or, you know, TV, I guess I just expect, you know, one or two mistakes, that's fine, but three and four, oh, man, he sounded like a high school kid, you know, that was just BSing his way through a speech. So uh, I appreciate the show, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts. So yeah, look, I, I mean, it's, it is interesting to think about what level of competence you anticipate. What I always try to uh, try to have is be more intelligent than the average fan. Be more reasonable than the average fan. And then demonstrate expertise in certain levels. For instance... I've got a law degree. If there is a legal issue in the world of sports, criminal, uh, some sort of dispute, I can break that down infinitely better than anybody else who does sports talk radio, right? And probably anybody else just about who's on television for sports. And then I'm pretty good, I think, in college football and the NFL, way more knowledgeable than the average person. But don't pretend to be an expert in everything. Like I said, I'm not an expert in baseball. I enjoy talking about baseball when the playoffs are going on. But if you turn on your radio show in on June 15th and expect me to break down the pitching situation that's going on on any team in America, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pretend to fake my way into that knowledge. I think people appreciate when you don't pretend to be an expert in everything. I think it's impossible. I was saying earlier, it's Congress a great example. You get elected to the Senate, you get elected to the House of Representatives, they say find a couple of things that you can know really well. You're going to still have to vote on everything, so you want to have an opinion that's reasonable and intelligent on everything, but you can't be the guy or girl that they come to on every single issue. You want to be an expert on taxes? Okay, you're probably not going to be an expert on the deal with Iran. And so... It's good to be well-versed and almost like when you see somebody running for president, don't pretend that you're an expert in everything, but the things that you really deeply care about, don't screw them up. That's kind of the uh, that's kind of the philosophy that I have. Benton and Charlotte, what's up, Ben? Hey, Clay. Um, two things. Um, Stephen A. Smith's made a, a, a great living just yelling at people. He doesn't really make a lot of sense um, half the time to me. Um, second off, um, one of the things that I've heard you say on the air was um, the next hour um, is, in fact, next. Yes. My wife was sitting right next to me. She said, did you hear what he just said? I said, no. And she said, well, he just said that the next hour was next. I said, well, Carolyn, have you ever heard that the ceiling is the roof? She said, yeah, Michael Jordan said it. I said, well, then the next hour is next. <laughs> goat speak goat. Do we, thanks for the call. Do we have the audio of me doing the tease? They got on me to do more teases. And I'm anti-tease in radio because I think they sound, in general, so fake and cheesy. Next, I'm going to tell you who's going to win the Super Bowl. I'm doing sports talk radio. Like, there's that professional sports talk radio voice. And my thing is, if I have information that I can give you right now, why would I not tell you that information and make you wait for it? Like... Hey, you know, if I don't have time to discuss it, that's different. Hey, we got major breaking news. I want to get into it. I'm going to tell you what it is next. That's a good tease if the major breaking news has actually happened. Me being like, hey, I'm going to tell you, uh, you know, something that I already know and make you wait for it. It doesn't seem authentic to me with the listenership. My goal is to have every segment be as good as it can be. 
and so that you want to listen because you enjoy hanging out with the show. You have me? Here's here's <laughs> me doing my most impressive tease in radio history. Travis, next hour next. I'll kick the cover. <laughs> next hour next is the greatest tease, I think, of all time. Uh, Mike in New Jersey. What's up, Mike? Uh, yeah, I want to talk about uh, the Chiefs um, last night. I-, I wasn't surprised at all they lost. I just don't think without Kareem Hunt, they're the same team. Um, and uh, I agree with your earlier guest. I-, I think the team that beat is the Patriots. Even with that crazy loss to the Dolphins, they are so healthy right now. Uh, that offense is so balanced with the running attack they have now. I really think I, I think both the Chiefs and the Chargers are going to lose another game. I think it's going to be the Pats going to get that number one seed again. All right, so my thing last night was I think last night's game continued to show that running backs by and large don't matter. You had, what, the third and the fourth string running back playing for the Chargers last night, Jackson and Newsom. Uh, and then uh, they went for an average of five yards a carry, 24 carries, 119 yards. On the other side of the equation, we know that Kareem Hunt is out, and the Chiefs had uh, a brand-new rush attack. Now, they only went for 17 carries for 60 yards. Maybe you're right that they will be missed, but they were so good in the passing game that I think, in general, they only got 17 carries. And uh, so, look, I mean, eh, you know, I mean, I can see that argument. I just think that, in general... Patrick Mahomes is so good, it's hard to be a bad running back if you've got Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. He creates a lot of space. Uh, Brock in Indianapolis, what's up? Hey, Clay. Uh, I just wanted to say I think Stephen A. needs to stick to talking about Tim Tebow and LeBron James. You know, I have a lot of success. Uh, love the educated conversation you bring to sports. That's all I've got to say. Appreciate it. Uh, Charlie and Dayton, what's up, Charlie? Hey, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give Stephen A. a pass, man. He's been calling for Marvin Lewis to be fired for like 10 years, so I'll love that guy forever. <laughs> uh, but I think that you're right as far as like what guys like you and Stephen A., what your job is versus what like a local guy's, because that's what I listen to you specifically for. Like you drop bombs every morning, and I love it. And you also, it's almost like you'll pick at me like when you were on the whole Urban Meyer thing way back at the beginning of the year. But then when, like, people like me call in, you'll let us have our opinion and you'll talk about it. Like, you don't talk over it. You know what I mean? I think that's why people love your show. But as far as, like, breaking it down, if I want to go listen to, like, the local Cincinnati ESPN or something, guys that they're just stats guys, like, that's what I'll listen to them for. But if I want some entertainment, if I want some good overall value, that's why I'm listening to you. Thanks, yeah, there are a lot of really talented local sports talker radio guys, and I've done it. But after a while, you just want to shoot yourself in the head with a nail gun if you're a reasonably intelligent person because you don't want to talk about who your local team is going to take in the NFL draft for four straight months. And that's a lot of times what people in local markets want to talk about. Or you're like in training camp, and the discussion is, are you going to keep six wide receivers or are you going to keep five wide receivers? And I would always say, Man, this is just mind-numbingly boring radio. There's a great article out, by the way, that I retweeted that really kind of got into how Fox buying the NFL changed the way that the NFL was covered. It's been 25 years now. And the big argument at Fox was, we want to make it sexy. We're going to talk about big names. We're going to entertain you. Uh, The Telestrator, the X's and O's stuff, by and large, people don't care about. And I have found that to be pretty much true. Um, you know, I always think when I talk on the radio 
My wife doesn't listen to the show because she's afraid I'm going to get fired every day. But I always think, am I talking about a subject in a way that she could find entertaining as a casual sports fan as opposed to somebody who's like, I want to talk about the difference between the nickel and the dime. We got a new defensive coordinator. What's the difference going to be between the 3-4 versus the 4-3? Like there is a market for that. It's a tiny market. And uh, some people enjoy that and that's more power to you. It ain't going to move the needle and it's certainly not going to keep people entertained. Uh, Mitchell in Colorado, by and large in the masses. What's up, Mitchell? Hey, thanks for taking my call. I'm a Chiefs fan from birth and I'm just a little bit freaking out right now. Are we truly going to be like that team that we saw last night, another 14-point home loss in the playoffs again? (laughs) Or is this going to be? Because I just need to know, are we going to have any hope this year or should we look for next year to hopefully rebuild our defense? Thanks. Uh, Yeah, I think the question is what happens on the road against the Seahawks. Because if I'm a Chiefs fan, one of the most unbelievable stats in the NFL right now is that you guys have not won a home playoff game since 1993. Joe Montana was the quarterback the last time the Kansas City Chiefs won a home playoff game. And you think about what an incredible home field advantage Kansas City has to have failed time after time to win a playoff game at home since dating back to 1993. Having said that, there's a huge difference between being the one seed and the five seed. And so I think it's likely to come down to how you do against the Seahawks on Sunday in about nine days. If you win that game, I think you're going to be the number one overall seed. And uh, I think you'll be incredibly nervous and apprehensive as kickoff gets closer. But what more can you do? You'll have had the best possible regular season you could. If you lose to the Seahawks, there's a good chance the Chargers go out, beat the Ravens, and beat the Broncos, and finish 13-3. and And then they're the one seed and you're the five, which is why I've been arguing, you know what, in the grand scheme of things, I think, honestly, we shouldn't see the NFL playoffs uh, with the wild card automatically being in the five and six spot, I think we should take the top four teams, regardless of what division they're in. Kevin down in Jacksonville. What's up, Kevin? Hey, Clay. I wanted to tell you what I expected from your show, which is honesty. The second I believe that you don't believe what you're saying, I'm out. And that's exactly why guys like Stephen A. Smith didn't succeed in radio, because you know they get on these point counterpoint shows with Skip Bayless, and they have to argue ridiculous opinions that no that they don't really believe. Yeah. And secondly, I I expect you to to keep booking the best quality guests in in radio. I mean, Jason Whitlock, don't ever let us go a week without that guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually texted with Whitlock yesterday. He said he's been so focused on his new show he couldn't come on this this afternoon or sorry this morning, uh, but he's going to come on next week. So uh, so we should be good there. I want to get a couple more of your calls in before we go to the update with Eddie Garcia. Who's up next, uh, Dub? I'm having trouble following all these. Well, Jordan in we, Ohio. We, we, What's we got, up, Jordan? We, yeah, we got Jordan. Yeah, I'm calling in. I'm kind of giving Stephen A. a pass on this. Uh, I give you guys all a pass on making mistakes like this. You know, you guys are essentially out there uh, selling your personalities. And like you said, you got so much to keep up with. And Stephen A. is very passionate about his job. And I think, you know, I give him credit for committing to – you know, to the idea and what he was saying. And then as far as what I expect from you guys, I just, uh, whatever you're talking about, I expect you to be knowledgeable. If you're not knowledgeable about it, don't talk about it. Yeah, um, and maybe don't talk about guys who are on injured reserve and uh, who have retired as being the key to the game. Um, I, I give Stephen A credit. I mean, look, he's an entertainer. Um, and, and on some level, that's what I'm in the business of too, right? We're in the business of entertainment. I was talking earlier with Jeff Schwartz, if you were listening to the show, and uh, and I had this conversation with Todd Furman about our new television show, Lock It In, which is on 4.30 Eastern, 3.30 Central, 2.30 Mountain, 1.30 Pacific. Set your DVRs or watch us live. We give you a lot of gambling picks going into the weekend. We'll certainly be doing it uh, today. 
And Furman was like, man, I hope our gambling picks are good enough that we don't get fired. And I said, well, Furman, obviously, like, I want to win when I'm gambling. And by the way, last night, 2-0, and nice win on the Chargers and a nice win uh, on the over in that game. But I said, what's going to determine whether or not our show continues is whether we're entertaining or not. If people are entertained by us, then the gambling picks will be secondary and it won't really matter that much. Entertainment matters more than anything else in the world of television, in the world of radio, I think in the world of media today. Now, you can be entertaining by being smart. You can be entertaining by being funny. You can be entertaining by being original. And you can be entertaining by being authentic, which is why my advice to everybody, everybody wants to know, like, what's the secret sauce that makes somebody successful? I say that I try to do SOFA. And that's what I learned when I was writing online. I use it as an acronym. SOFA. Because it means every day I try to be smart, original, funny, and authentic. And sometimes I'm able to do it. Other times I'm not as good, right? But that's my goal every single day. If you can manage that, then I think you'll always be employed in the business of what I do. And Stephen A. Smith does, right? I mean, he's really good at those four things. I think getting things wrong like that probably benefits his show more than it hurts it. Eddie Garcia, what you got for me? Well, let's uh, start off with last night's Thursday night NFL game in Kansas City. Great finish between the Chargers and the Chiefs. L.A. rallied down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. They scored with four seconds to go within one point, but they decide not to tie it up and go to overtime. They go for the two-point conversion, and they get it. Mike Williams catching the two-point conversion. The wide receiver also had two receiving touchdowns and the rushing touchdown in the 29-28 win for the Chargers over the Chiefs. Chargers, they uh, clinch a playoff spot, and both teams are now 11-3 and on the season. A Chargers wide receiver, Mike Williams, is our diamond in the rough, brought to you by Hellsberg Diamonds. The holidays are closed, but there's still time for last-minute one-stop shopping. Get gifts that give gifts at Hellsberg Diamonds. Spend $1,199 and get a free Nintendo Switch system. Games sold separately. In the NBA, Rockets beat the Lakers 126-111. James Harden, 50 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. Now back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Final segment of the show up next. We'll break down the playoff picture as we roll into the weekend now that the Chargers and the Chiefs game is a officially happened who is going to make the playoffs and who has the most at stake we'll discuss next on fox sports radio fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app search fsr to listen live welcome back geico outkick studios we're brought to you by discover card we treat you like you treat you and It's never a good look when you untuck a long, bulky dress shirt. That's why Untuck It makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked. Go to untuckit.com to see the new fall arrivals. Untuckit.com, your solution to perfecting casual. Use promo code CLAY for 20% savings. Um, We obviously had a big game going on last night between the Chargers and the Chiefs, which will be very impactful in terms of what might end up happening in the AFC playoff picture. Incredible win for Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. And now if uh, they can go on and beat the Ravens and if they can beat the Broncos on the road, then they would get to 13-3. and They need the Chiefs to still lose another game. The Chiefs have two remaining. They go on the road against Seattle. Very losable game next week. And they then close out against the Raiders at home, which seems like they're in pretty good shape there. But If you are looking at the uh, AFC playoff picture and you're wondering what games do you most need to pay attention to as we come into the weekend, there are a couple that really matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, What happens in the Dallas Cowboy and the uh, Indianapolis Colts game? Massive, right? 
The Colts basically have to win out to make the playoffs. The Cowboys can win the NFC East with one more victory. That game is massive to pay attention to if you are paying attention to the overall playoff picture. The Patriots on the road against the Steelers. Massive game. The Steelers have lost three games in a row. They are the underdog at home against the Patriots. If they lose, you have to start asking yourself the question, could the Steelers completely miss the playoffs and could the Ravens sweep in and win that division? The Ravens are hosting the Bucs. They are big favorites there. Uh, in the uh, another game that's worth paying attention to, the Giants, believe it or not, still have a very faint playoff pulse. The Titans have to win out in order to advance to the playoffs. Titans close with the uh, Washington Redskins, which should be a win, and then they get the Indianapolis Colts in Nashville. So this is their most difficult remaining game. They are a couple of point underdog there. That one is worth paying substantial attention to. And if you're out there and you're thinking, oh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they're eliminated. They're not technically eliminated yet. They go on the road against the Bears. The Bears can basically lock up the division and they can put a final uh, bullet in the Packers' playoff hope. So we'll see what happens there. Finally, these are a couple of Saturday games. The Texans go on the road against the Jets. The Texans, man, they look like they're going to win the AFC South. But if they lost to the Jets, who've been playing a lot better the last three or four weeks, then suddenly everything would be wide open in the AFC South. And also, the Broncos, very, very uh, tender playoff uh, hopes remaining. The Browns going on the road. Baker Mayfield and the Browns still actually alive a little bit as well. So all of those games matter in the context of what could happen in the playoffs. As they said last night on Thursday Night Football, the final Thursday Night Football game of the year, why is the NFL so great? Because there are 32 teams in the NFL. And as we enter the final three games of the season, 26 NFL teams still have playoff hopes. Now, they may not be a lot of playoff hopes, and a lot of those teams are going to officially give up the playoff ghosts this weekend, but there's at least a heartbeat in 26 of the 32 NFL teams as we enter into uh, this weekend of games. Appreciate all of you coming and hanging out with us. All week long, we'll obviously be back breaking down everything that happened over the weekend. I will try not to say that the biggest and most important matchup of the week is Hunter Henry going up against Derek Johnson. Shout out to Stephen A. Smith for uh, entertaining us all there. And uh, also want to thank all of you guys for listening to us all week and encourage you to go download the podcast. Millions of you are doing it. You can search out OutKick and make sure that you don't miss any of the fun that we have on this show. And I appreciate the millions of you who are doing that every single month now. Again, search out OutKick on iTunes. You can also go give us a review. Evidently, that helps out. I realized, I didn't realize it. I checked the other day. We have like 500 or 600 or 800 or something reviews from you guys talking about the show. So I appreciate all of you. Have great weekends and enjoy all of the football games. The college football bowl season is officially underway this weekend as well. There's going to be ample amounts of football, and we'll have a ton to react to when we come back on Monday. Don't discount Phillip Rivers, by the way, in the MVP race. I told you before this game, if he won, he'd be in the mix. He is. What a win for the Chargers. This has been OutKick. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. 
just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now.